Welcome to God's Acre On The Go, a worship podcast of the Congregational Church of New Canaan in New Canaan, Connecticut. To learn about the life of our church, our in-person ministries, and the virtual connections and offerings available, please visit us at www.godsacre.org. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are going, we welcome you to worship. Church family, this is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to God's Acre on the Go. Uh, Wherever you are, wherever you're traveling, we're glad to have you tuning in with us. So this morning, we invite you to prepare your hearts uh, and minds for summer worship as we listen to our anthem. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. Our gospel text this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, and it tells the very familiar story of Lazarus. So I hope that we will listen today with fresh ears. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus came to the tomb. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Once upon a time, there was a man who fell in a foxhole. The hole was very deep, and no matter how hard the man tried, he couldn't climb out. Every now and then, someone would walk by and remark about how sorry they were he was stuck, but they couldn't do a darn thing about it. One day, a man saw him and returned with help, two other men who knew a lot about these so-called foxholes. They lowered a rope and pulled the man to safety. Have you ever seen someone in a foxhole? Have you ever been in one yourself? Today I'd like to tell you a true story of a foxhole, and if I tell it honestly enough, authentically enough, I hope you will see yourself in one of the characters in this story, or at least someone you love. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, each one of us knows what it is to pray to you from a place so deep inside that we can barely speak. When we are scared, when we need help, or someone we love is in danger. This morning, pour through me the gift of preaching that these ordinary words might somehow become, by a miracle of your grace, life-giving and touch us in our place of deepest need. And we know that they will, for we pray in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In high school, I thought our family was pretty normal, or at least I wanted to believe it was. My father was a partner in a law firm in downtown Fort Worth. My mother was an executive director of a nonprofit organization. My mom would come home from work, put on her apron, and start dinner. My dad, most days, would chip and putt golf clubs at the club after work. I can't remember everything we ate for dinner, hamburgers, spaghetti, lamb chops, that sort of thing, but I do remember that dinner time was the most consistent time we gathered to catch up. We ate together every night, and looking back, it was one of my favorite times of day. I'm not sure when it started, to tell you the truth, but one day an elephant appeared at the kitchen table and stayed for several years. We didn't notice it at first, and maybe we didn't want to, and maybe we couldn't admit there was a problem, but clearly there was an elephant sitting at the table and no one wanted to talk about it. And then, one day, it was too painful to bear and somebody named it. I can't even remember who it was 
but things got a lot worse before they got better. You see, my sister was hiding something from the rest of us. It took me a long time to figure out her routine, but it went something like this. For breakfast, she would throw away the egg on toast that our mother would put out for us, but she would do it in the garbage can near the school. For lunch, she would go to the 7-Eleven with her friends and buy a super big gulp Diet Coke. And for dinner, when she was forced to sit at the table, she would talk up a blue streak so that while everyone else had long finished, she had not had a bite. And then she would take her plate upstairs and feed it to the dogs. After months of this behavior, the dogs were getting fat, but my sister was disintegrating before our eyes. My mom and dad started to pass funny glances around the table. Something was up. Their faces let you know in no uncertain terms that there was something they didn't like, but they didn't know what to do about it. One day, she stopped joining us for dinner. That upped the ante a lot. And then she went off to college in the fall of my senior year of high school, but this only lasted a few months. When she came home for Christmas, our dentist said, in the kindest but most direct way he knew how, you need to admit her to a hospital or she will die. The time sequence is a little blurry, but I do remember this. My sister was admitted to Hughley Hospital to the eating disorder unit and confined to the eighth floor. The day we checked her in, she had on a brightly colored striped polo shirt in red, hot pink and royal blue stripes with red shorts and bright white canvas tennis shoes. And she looked really put together compared to the hippies that were on the floor. Well, sort of. Her long blonde hair was no longer thinning. It was simply falling out in chunks. Her body mirrored something out of a concentration camp and her beautiful skin had become patchy as if the pigment wouldn't stick in certain areas, even though we lived in Texas and everyone had a great tan. As soon as the nurse got her signature, they went over the rules right in front of us. I will never forget this for as long as I live. No going to the bathroom without a nurse, period. You must eat meals, attend classes, and participate in therapy, not just hang out and sleep in your room. No leaving the eighth floor until she weighed 100 pounds. My sister, who had always been popular, vibrant, athletic, well-loved, my sister whom I loved and admired now weighed 78 pounds with her clothes and her shoes on. She had just checked herself into a hospital prison of sorts. As soon as we got her settled and they searched her bag, they made us leave. Thank God, the doctors and the nurses and the therapists who worked on the eighth floor of Hewley Hospital knew just the right balance between encouragement and tough love. In six months, they turned her around and literally saved her life. My sister had to write a final paper before she left, and boy, did she have a lot to say. The nurse asked all of the eighth floor residents the same question. What is your favorite meal? The answers around the therapy table varied from barbecue to Mexican food to some famous birthday cake, I think it was chocolate. 
but my sister's answer was different, and this is why I'm telling you the story today. My sister said, Communion is my favorite meal. It's at God's table where I feel most safe and secure. Jesus accepts me just as I am, even when I haven't been in a long while. When I get out of here, I want to go to church, to the Lord's Supper, and remember what it feels like to be accepted unconditionally and loved beyond words. The good news is my sister got better somewhere in the healing process. The voice which insisted she wasn't good enough or bright enough or popular enough or thin enough, that voice was silenced. And the voice of Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, replaced it, saying to her, You are precious in my sight, and I love you. And I love you, and I love you. In today's scripture passage, Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb and calls him to live again. I would wager to bet every one of us knows someone who has fallen into a foxhole and needs help to get out. Divorce, depression, alcoholism, drugs, loss of a job, death of a loved one, illness, closing of a business, retirement. Here's the truth about foxholes. We can't get out by ourselves. We have to be brave enough, courageous enough to ask for help. We have to be willing to talk about hard things. In a few minutes, we'll gather at Christ's table. Theologians have long argued about how and where Christ is present in the elements of bread and wine. Words like transubstantiation and consubstantiation keep seminarians debating for hours. Is Christ above the bread? Is Christ below the bread? Is Christ inside the bread? Where is Christ? Why can we not see him? Theologically, we believe that Christ is in us when we receive the bread and cup. Christ is in us. And so we treat one another with a sort of holy awe because we are wonderfully and uniquely made. This sacrament reminds us we are accepted unconditionally and loved beyond measure. Let that sink in, really sink in, and I believe you will find it is very good news indeed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray together. Dear Lord, as a rule, we begin life with parents who love us and grandparents with whom we can do no wrong surrounded by pure kindness. We learn to swim, try ballet, go to soccer games and little league and scouting, and all of our hopes and dreams are before us. And then we realize one day that all is not perfect in the world. Was it when we saw our parents worry 
when we knew our grandfather had had a heart attack, or when a best friend's parents divorced, or when a classmate died of cancer as a child. Help us to be people, O God, who pray through the difficult times as well as the good times, that you might bring light in the darkness, that we might know in the marrow of our bones that we are not alone when we are scared, when we don't know what to do, when we need direction. Our trust in you, O God, is the most important thing in our lives. Hear us now as we pray in silence and name those people who most need our prayers. Hear and receive our prayers, O God. As Jesus taught us, we are bold to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Church family, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Worship on the Go. To support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please consider making a contribution by clicking the Give button in the top right on our website, www.godsacre.org, or within today's email. God bless you and have a wonderful week.